Mid-America's most trusted source for news. KMOX. At 5.03, we have clear skies, 58 degrees downtown at the Arch. The news is sponsored by Michael's Flooring Outlet, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. This is Monday, November 13th. I'm Maria Kina, in from Michael Calhoun. A man is injured after being shot in downtown at 14th and Clark late this afternoon. St. Louis police report the male victim's injuries are not thought to be life-threatening. Sergeant Charles Wall says preliminary information indicates individuals known to one another were involved in a personal dispute when the victim was shot. This is still an ongoing investigation, and Wall expects to release more information tomorrow. Missouri's Attorney General releases a 62-page report of the St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner's time in office. Attorney General Andrew Bailey's report begins with the lawsuit he filed against former Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner after a young volleyball player was hit by a car where the driver was someone who was supposed to go to trial for a robbery case months before but did not. Bailey's data shows 25,000 cases were dismissed under Gardner's watch and just over 2,700 were dismissed for failure to prosecute. Stuart McMillan, KMOX News. The complete report is at KMOX.com. Last night, St. Charles tabled a resolution denouncing plans to bring Latin immigrants from Chicago to St. Louis. St. Louis Mayor Tashara Jones fired back, saying if Latin St. Charles County residents do not like the resolution, they are welcome in St. Louis. If they don't feel welcome in St. Charles, they are welcome in St. Louis City, so they can come on down here. St. Charles County Councilman Joe Brazel introduced the resolution, citing concerns with the vetting of immigrants and lack of long-term housing for the migrants. After missing an important deadline, the city of St. Louis will not be able to collect three months of marijuana sales tax revenue. State law dictates that 10 days after the approval of any new sales tax, the city must submit proper documentation to the Department of Revenue. According to a city hall source, St. Louis was notified yesterday it had failed to submit that paperwork by April 14th, which caused a delay in its ability to collect the 3% sales tax. In a statement, a spokesperson for Mayor Tashara Jones, Nick Dunn, says, quote, the city's operations department has taken full responsibility for this oversight and upon being notified immediately submitted the required documentation to the state of Missouri's Department of Revenue. Once the deadline passed, the city would have had to wait two quarters before being allowed to collect sales tax revenue. However, the Department of Revenue has provided the city with a waiver allowing the city of St. Louis to begin collecting revenue on January 1st of 2024. The city was supposed to begin collecting sales tax on marijuana sales on October 1st. Sean Malone, KMOX News. MoDOT's I-55 bridge is on schedule, but the project is still, it has a way to go. We really need to make sure bridges stay standing for a long time. Jen Wade is the area MoDOT engineer. Sometimes that means we give them small maintenance treatment, overlays, and some of them are getting just overlays. Um, But on some of the major bridges in this area, they're getting a complete redeck. So the whole driving surface is being removed. And we're putting a whole new surface on. Wade says bridges should be complete by spring of next year. Then resurfacing will take place. That will last until the end of 2024. Well, gas prices continue to fall as the average of St. Louis hits at about $3.15. That's 15 cents lower than the price this time last year and a whopping 45 cents lower than the national average. Patrick DeHaan, Gas Buddy Head of Petroleum Analysis, says there are some concerns when it comes to a drop in prices like this, though. There may be some danger signs to the economy that are pushing gasoline demand lower, and that has really uh, underscored the price decline over the last eight weeks. DeHaan says a decrease in gas prices could also be a response to people staying close to home, spending less, or even the increase in electric vehicles. 
The Belleville Area Humane Society once again keeping animals cozy and warm after a furnace broke down over the weekend. Co-executive director Savannah McDonald says if not for membership, the shelter could not keep the electricity and heat on. And like other rescues and shelters, Belleville Humane Society is seeing large numbers of pets, but they have a program to keep animals with their people. I just did the numbers for how many families we've served with for our pet food pantry this year, and um, it was over 6,000 animals. So that's a lot of animals in our community that if their families aren't able to feed them, they could end up in a shelter. So we want to try to avoid that. So we do a monthly pet food pantry to help keep pets in their homes, keep them out of the shelter, keep them with the people who love them. Now, McDonald says the shelter is full all the time. They offer a foster program if maybe you're just not ready to adopt yet. Of the 1,800 animals that we have placed or will, by the end of this year, place in loving homes. About half of those spent some time in a foster home. Now, if you foster, food, supplies, as well as veterinary services are all covered by the shelter. For more information, you can go to bahspets.org. And coming up at 5.50 this evening, we'll go in-depth with Miss McDonald. From the KMOX Business Desk, how does St. Louis attract more people to its downtown? Lodging Hospitality Management CEO Bob O'Loughlin, who counts Union Station among his properties, says there is one clear priority. We have to have a safe downtown. Uh, police have to be visible during the day. Uh, we hired a great police chief, and, and thanks to the police foundation, helped the salary. Uh, as private businesses were paying for secondary police in the evening in downtown. And we're hoping with Chief Tracy and Gabe Gore, who are prosecuting now, we can clean up some of the crime that took place during the pandemic and make people feel safe. You can tune into an Odyssey Town Hall downtowns Friday night at 8 on KMOX. Tom Ackerman, KMOX News. Investigators say criminal fencers are the key to organized retail crime rings that are popping up in St. Louis and really across the country. They are the ones who recruit and organize the shoplifters and the ones who then turn stolen goods into illicit profit. KMOX virtual consumer editor Megan Lynch spoke with Landon Winklevoss a co-founder and VP at threat intelligence firm Nisus. When we look at organized retail crime, what are we looking at as far as trends and some of the losses? Uh, we have losses that are you know, well into the billions uh, and they're well documented uh, from publicly traded companies that come out and report shrinkage against uh, their, you know, against their bottom line. Um, you know, in some cases, for instance, you know, Dick Sporting Goods repeated, you know, came out and said that they're, you know, ultimately the, the shrinkage from loss and theft from organized retail crime, you know, number into the billions of dollars and it's, you know, really affecting their stock prices. So, uh, we're, you know, these losses are certainly starting to mount up and this issue is becoming certainly a lot more organized, which is, un, which is obviously probably what we'll talk about. Well, and it's interesting that Nisos is doing this. We've seen, you know, these organized retail crime rings here in the, the St. Louis region specifically. And the first part of your report looks not necessarily at those individuals that go into the store, but the fencers. Um, tell us about this group of this organized crime. So re realistically, how this kind of works uh, is you have the boosters that ultimately make uh, the thefts, and then it gets you know much more complicated than that. So the fencers then you know really dive into think of them as the you know wholesale the resellers. Um, you know, so when they ultimately have the goods, they have to monetize them. They look to online marketplaces and third-party marketplaces 
to monetize, and then they even spin from there and ultimately you know, go into a group what we call diverters, right? So the diverters then, of course, you know, resell to resell, uh, and really they're just you know going to different uh, different organized crime groups uh, that ultimately sell the sell goods. When it comes to ultimately, you know, you know, getting and releasing inventory, I mean, it's honestly no, no different than, uh, you know, a organized crime group of retailers. Uh, when you have a bulk inventory, uh, you have to ultimately get rid of that at a lower price, uh, and that's where kind of diverters come into place. What's the challenge of going after these individuals? Um, yeah, the challenges are you know, quite uh, quite extend- extensive. Uh, realistically, if you're looking at this from okay, I'm going to go target the fencers. Um, you, know, you know, organized retail crime are not just the only people selling Ill- illegal and illicit goods. So ultimately, if you're looking at this as just in targeting the third-party marketplaces, you are going to run into, you know, individuals, uh, call it not organized crime, uh, who are not going to ri- rise up to any kind of criminal threshold with law enforcement. You're going to certainly deal with those types of issues. Um, with regard to the theft in the stores and the loss prevention side, uh, if you got combat it from that perspective, I mean, this is no different than any type of organized crime uh, in the sense of, you know, that there's a, vol- there's a volume play. Um, you know, you ultimately have an issue um, within the organized crime a- a- apparatus that ultimately makes these types of uh, thefts. And you have, you have, it's a huge volume play. So realistically, you know, stores, you know, are really on first base with regards to actually preventing, you know, mass, you know, mass, you know, the, 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 the mobs that come into the store, um, you know, they're at really at first base when it comes to, you know, finding, um, you know, let's call it uh, vehicle recognition on a license plate, optical character recognition on a license plate. So the ability to flag a license plate, flag individuals, close the store, you know, prevent, you know, mass looting. Um, well, I mean, like even the biggest retailers, are really on first base from that perspective. Uh, when it comes to ultimately investigating and looking at um, from a online crime perspective, and you're looking at everything online, a lot of people have the distinction that you're going to be able to look at social media trends and be able to again, like, be have be in preventative state to stop up from stores. When realistically, you know, you ultimately have issues and you have uh, crimes that are happening, and you see it after the fact, right? And you see it after the fact. And then you ultimately start putting the networks together, and then you start seeing the people that you need to, you know, fight against. And again, like that, that that's already happened, and you're investigating that completely after the fact. So, from a, a reactive perspective as well as a proactive perspective, it really becomes really challenging. That's Landon Winklevoss, co-founder and VP at threat intelligence firm Nisos. He tells consumers if a price for something seems too good to be true, it probably is, and the merchandise could be hot. Nisos says consumers should use caution interacting with anyone in person or online suspected of dealing in stolen goods.